But we're concluding tonight, uh, um, the series tonight in Luke chapter 8, verse 40. You can turn with me there. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Um, we're uh, through 56. It's quite a bit of scripture, but this is one of my favorite passages in scripture, so it is delight to read together. Um, so we're picking up in Luke chapter 8, verse 40, and this is Jesus. He, he is on his way to Capernaum. He just finished casting out um, evil spirits and demonic spirits, and, and so he is building up a pretty large following. Um, if you didn't know, Capernaum was the adult home of Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He grew up in Nazareth, but he spent his, his adult life uh, in Capernaum um, before starting his ministry at the age of 30. So he's going to his hometown, is what I'm trying to say. He's a popular guy. He's casting out demons left and right. He's healing people left and right. So he's gathering a following at this point. And this is where we pick up in Luke chapter 8, verse 40 says this, now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had only uh, an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And as Jesus went, the people pressed around him. They were all wanting something from Jesus. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could barely be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately, everybody say immediately, her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power. Everybody say power. Has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe. Everybody say believe. And she will be healed. Verse 51. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter, John, and James, and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her beat. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they all laughed at him. Imagine laughing at Jesus. Man, that's got to be like one of your most embarrassing points of your life. They all laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. Isn't that something? Sometimes we can, Jesus will tell you something about your life, about a promise, about something that's going to happen in your future. And you almost chuckle, you almost laugh, and say, God, there ain't no way that's going to happen. There ain't no way that I'm going to see this relationship restored. There ain't no way I'm going to see that person come to Jesus. There ain't no way that coworker is going to become a Christian. But see, it's in those moments that we think they are dead that God resurrects. But taking her by the hand, verse 54, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned. And she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Tonight we're going to talk about uh, 
patience. We're going to talk about it in uh, the idea of us making plans and us having an idea of how it's going to work and us uh, making goals for our life. And the title for tonight is this, is, is patience over plans. Turn to your neighbor and say, patience over plans. Patience over plans plans. With that being said, let's pray over tonight. Father, we thank you for gathering us tonight, God. We thank you right now for every mind being open. God, let no distraction, God, let no discouragement fall. Let any plan of the enemy come. Let any plan of the enemy come into fruition, God, but let only your spirit remain, God. So right now, Father, we thank you for a good seed being sowed tonight, that we didn't come just to hear God, anybody speak. God, we came to hear your message, Father. We came to hear from your spirit, Father, not from any person, not from any man. So God, let your will be done. We thank you for miracle signs and wonders taking place tonight. We thank you, Father, that we're going to see, God, this thing start tonight in our spirit, God, in our souls, Father, that we're going to see the fruit of it, that we're going to feel the, God, this, the, the confidence in it and the, the word in it, Father. So, God, let your will be done tonight. We thank you that nobody here is on accident. Nobody was here by coincidence, but we're here by design. We're here by plan. We're here on purpose, Father. God, we give you all the glory and the praise. We love you so much, Jesus. We're all here just to glorify your name. Thank you, Jesus, for just choosing us. For just choosing us. We love you, Jesus. Come on. If you love Jesus, give him one more hand clap of praise tonight. So I don't know if you're like me, but who loves making plans? Like this goal setting, like five-year plans, you know, dream boards, all that stuff. You know, I love doing that. I love you know, writing down plans. I love saying, this is where I'm going to be in five years. This is where I'm going to be in 10 years. This is where I'm going to be in 20 years. This is, you know, all these things. Right? I love doing that. I love doing that. And all of a sudden, I realize something when you're following after Jesus, when you're living in God's plan, is that no, none of those plans really come into fruition. I, I, I just recently, I looked at this five-year plan I wrote, you know, uh, over five years ago. I was like, thank God, you didn't listen to my plan, God, because, like, that is nowhere near, like, God, you, your plan is so much greater, your plan is so much better, but that's how God works in our life, is, is that he doesn't live within the box of our imagination, he doesn't live within the box of maybe what you think you're scheming or your goals, can I say God's plan is so much higher, so much greater, that you really can't even wrap your mind around God's plan for you. Like, you think you have it good now, you think you have it great now, just wait until you see what God has in store for you. It's way beyond what we could ever imagine, but that's what God's supposed to be, right? His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. They're, they're supposed to be great. They're supposed to be mighty. But it actually says, survey says that 85% of people, uh, the majority of people, uh, write down some kind of plans, whether that's a five-year plan, a two-year plan, five-day plan, whatever, some sort of plan for the future, 85% of people, but of those 85%, only 8% of people ever reach or complete their goals or plans. But for some reason, we just love plan making and goal setting, and I enjoy it as well because I think it gives us some sense of control, right? It gives us some sense of direction. It gives us a sense that maybe I got this life thing figured out. Maybe I, maybe I have this, all these things. Maybe I do know. Maybe I do see. Maybe I have my future figured out. It gives us some sense of control, right? Like it feels good if you ever have written down something. Like it feels good once you're like 10 years from now. Like and then in the 10 year, that's when I'm going to buy a new house. And then, and, and, 
year 15, that's when I'm going to be a millionaire, right? It feels good right now, like all these things, because it gives you a sense of control. It gives you a sense of, I got this figured out. It gives you a sense of, maybe my life isn't chaotic. But for some reason, we try to lock down whatever God has for us in a box in our plans, and, and a lot of times we don't even complete what we even plan out to do. But see, God's plans is very different from our plans. And I believe that every person who's under the sound of my voice, every person who's ever been born, God has a purpose and a plan for them. There's nobody here by accident. I don't care if anybody's ever told you you're a failure. I don't care if your parents said this. I don't care if your coworkers say that. No, you do have a purpose and a plan. And yes, you are special and God has something in store for you. But God's plan, it takes patience. God's plan takes patience. God's plan requires us uh, not just writing down a few things and hoping that it all falls into place. No, God's plan, it takes for us to be patient. If you ever lived this Christian life long enough, you know I don't have to convince that of you. You know that when God has placed something in your heart, it took a lot of patience to get there. It took you a lot of perseverance to get there. And so what we're going to talk about uh, tonight is, is why having patience is not only so crucial to God's plan, but it's way better than our plans. Why having patience is way better than us having and writing down a five-year plan. Because a lot of times we, when we write down what we see in the future and then it doesn't happen, what, what happens to our patience, right? It hurts our patience and then we try to speed up the process. So what we're going to talk about tonight is look at the story we just read and, and look into uh, how the plans of man and how our patience towards God, how we need to balance ourselves and lean more into God's plan and not ours. And as we read this story, it's really uh, one of my favorite stories and, and, and passages in Scripture because so, it's so deep. There's so many things in it. We could talk about it, uh, really could make a whole series about this passage of Scripture. But what I want to focus on is these two people, the, the woman with the issue of blood and then Jairus, the uh, synagogue leader. Now, if you don't know who Jairus was, he, he was the, the person who was the, um, the, the leader of the community. He was the one who... Uh, might be considered he was the leader of the synagogue or maybe a, a pastor in today's terms. But in Jesus' time, when you were the leader of the synagogue, you're basically mayor of the town, okay? Because everything revolved around that. So imagine Jairus, the most important man in Capernaum, and then imagine this woman with an issue of blood who really, Scripture doesn't even mention her name. It just mentions her issues, and it mentions what was wrong with her. So imagine these two people. And then take a look in verse 43. And it says, And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. So this woman, for 12 years, she was dealing with an issue, and she was, in a way, executing what she planned to do, which was, I have an issue where I need to go and see physicians for it. And for 12 years, she was trying to have physicians to heal her, but it says she was not healed by anyone, that she was not healed by any doctor. It even says in another passage of Scripture um, that she, her condition got even worse. I don't know if you ever had a plan that it's never worked out or didn't work out, and then you got to the end of it, and you're like, not only did my plan not work out, but 
I've gotten worse since I started working on my plan. All right, this woman, she had a plan. She was working and doing everything in her effort, the best foot forward that she knew what to do. But since it wasn't revolved around Jesus, the plan had no weight. But she spent 12 years trying to execute her own plan and says she wasn't healed by anyone. But in verse 44, but she came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his garment. Everybody say immediately. Immediately her discharge of blood ceased. So this woman who has been struggling for years, for decades, now all of a sudden in a moment what she has been searching, she finds in an instant. See, this is what Jesus does for us is that when we include him in our plans, he speeds up the process. See, a lot of times when we think about patience, we think about waiting, right? When we think about patience, we think, of th think about a set of time that we need to wait. No, patience isn't about time as much as it is about trust. Patience is saying, not saying, God, okay, how long do you want me to wait? Patience is saying, God, how much do you want me to trust you right now? Because, see, we can be in our plan for a while, and if it's a plan that we've made together, we kind of trust that plan. We try to execute that plan, and by the end of it, we realize that if Jesus isn't in it, then that plan ain't worth nothing, right? But when you evolve Jesus into your plans, see, sometimes we think that patience is just going to uh, extend our problems. No, when we include Jesus in our, in our plans, Jesus can take care of it in an instant. At the touch of her of his garment, at the touch of it, it happens in the instant. See, it wasn't her adding to her plans. It wasn't her saying, okay, now I need to listen to a podcast. Now I need to read another self-help book. Oh, did this, this didn't work. Maybe I need to look it up on YouTube. No, she said, something's broken here, and I'm not going to fix it. Man's not going to fix it. Doctors aren't going to fix it. The world's not going to fix it. I need something greater and higher. Are y'all hearing me tonight? See, when we try to involve our plans... When we try to just follow after what we're doing, we think that we have it all figured out, and we get to the end of it, and we realize that if Jesus isn't in it, our plans aren't worth anything. See, this woman took 12 years to realize that all she needed was a touch from Jesus. And can I say, as sons and daughters of God, we have access to that touch whenever we need it. We have access to Jesus when, whenever we call upon his name, it says he is there with us. So if you're ever struggling with, him, with anything, can I say, instead of reading that self-help book, instead of calling aunt so-and-so and complaining about it, call upon the name of Jesus. And I tell you, in an instant, what you've been dealing with will ease off your mind. And so this woman, she, she realizes what she has to do. And at the touch of his garments, her disease was healed. See, it's at that point when her plans have been exhausted, her resources have been exhausted. It, it was at that point when she had nothing left. It was at that point of brokenness. It was at that point of desperation. It was at that point of saying, I've done all I could do that she uh, did, and she went through the crowd and, and reached out to Jesus. It was at the end of her rope. You see, when it comes to God's plan and promise, it's going to take not just us uh, having the days that are easy, but God's plan does include some hard times. God's plan does include some times when we think, God, what is going on? God, what? God, I'm following after you, yet things aren't going perfect. I'm following after you, yet things are not falling into place. And it, it, not only have things not feel easy, but things feel hard right now, Jesus. Things aren't easy right now, God. They, God, what am I doing right now? I know this is your plan, but it doesn't feel like it's the easiest thing ever. 
See, God's plan, it takes us to have to persevere. It takes us, it requires us to have to put in not only a push and an effort, but faith and trust that God's going to see us on the other side. This is point one for tonight, is that patience requires perseverance. Patience requires perseverance. Patience isn't something that says, God, uh, I'm following after you, I'm trusting you, but as soon as something doesn't feel right or good, I'm going to go back to my plan. I'm going to go back to my way. I'm going to go back to what I thought. If that's your idea of patience, you're going to be going in circles your entire life. You're going to be going back and forth and saying, I'm trying out this God thing for a little bit, but when something happens, I'm going to go back to the world thing for a little bit, and then when something happens, and we go back and forth and go back and forth, but God says, no, be patient right now. There's going to be speed bumps. There's going to be some things in your way. Yes, that God doesn't promise that life would be uh, uh, when he comes into our lives that all our problems would go away. But he does promise that we will have an answer to every problem that does come our way. He does say, if anything does come towards you, now you're not alone. When that addiction does come towards you, now you have a freedom. Now you have an authority. Now you have something that the world can't offer. See, Jesus doesn't promise you a problem-free life. He, he promises you an answer life, a, a life that you have an answer to every problem. That is what Jesus promises us, and we have to realize that patience, it requires perseverance. So to see this picture right now, she's crawling through this crowd. All these people are pressing in around him. All these people are pressing on Jesus right now. Jesus is the superstar. Everybody knows that uh, basically they're treating Jesus like genie in a bottle, right? If I can just get his attention, maybe he'll heal this. Maybe he'll give me that. So everyone, everybody wants a piece of Jesus. Since everybody was pressing on him. Imagine if Justin Bieber walked in this room right now, right? People going crazy. Maybe not. Maybe in Eutheria, right? People would be going crazy. It's like everybody was trying to press around him, but it wasn't that what he noticed. What he noticed was the woman's touch. And that's why they were confused. Peter was confused. He said, why, why are you asking who touched you? Don't you see hundreds of people are touching you right now? Don't you see hundreds of people want something from you right now? Don't you see there's all these people pressing in around you? But God responded to the touch that was desperate. God responded to the touch of this woman who said, I got nothing else but only Jesus right now. I have no other option other than Jesus right now. And that is what really God's plan requires us to have is only his plan and no plan B. God's plan requires us to say, God, you're all I have right now. There is no safety nets. There is no other options. There is no, oh, well, God's plan it work out. Well, that's okay because I plan for that plan not to work because I have this and I got plan C and I got plan. No, that's not, that's not going to work out. See, God wants to see a type of commitment, a desperation, a type of, of prayer closet praying that says, God, I have no other options but for you to show up and show out and prove yourself to me right now, God, because I am at the end of my rope. I feel like a woman with the issue of blood for 12 years struggling with the same problem, struggling with the same addiction, struggling with the same insecurities. But it's when we say, God, you're my only option, and things get clear in that moment. There's, in my life, things have never been so clear than when all I had was just what God wanted me to do. Things are confusing when you have all these other options and plans, but when you only have God's plan, things get really clear really quick. 
Because you're saying, God, it's you and nothing else. You're saying, God, only you can make this happen and not me. Has anybody been in the, in the boat where saying, God, I'm just hanging on for dear life. I'm with you. If this boat sinks, I'm still with you. If things go bad, I'm still with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you, God. Even if things get tough, I'm still going to stick to your plan. That's the type of mentality we have to have. So while all this is going around, we forget about the man named Jairus. Jairus is the one who came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, my daughter is dying. Uh, please come heal her. She's my only daughter. And on the way uh, to uh, Jesus, on the way to Jairus' daughter, he gets stopped by this woman with the issue of blood. And I just kind of want to put our minds in the mind of Jairus in this moment. Because Jairus right now, all he can think about is his dying daughter. But Jesus, who he knows can heal her, is stopping, is, st is taking his time to help this woman who isn't even named in Scripture. To help this woman who is the lowest of lowest society. You see, when you had a disease back in Jesus' time, if you had a disease, the superstition was that if you touch somebody, you pass that disease to them. So this woman was secluded. This woman had no friends. This woman was a cast out of society. Yet Jesus, the Savior of the world, Jesus, who is 100% man and 100% God, stops in his tracks for a woman who nobody even cares to look at, who nobody even cares to help, who nobody even cares to offer any assistance. He stops in his tracks and says, who touched me? And he heals this woman, all while Jairus, who is, who is the most important person in the town, who is the, the, the leader of the community, he is waiting for Jesus because of this woman who is the lowest of lowest society. Now, Jairus could have easily said, Jesus, what are you doing? Right? She's a nobody. I'm a somebody. She can wait. I can't. Right? To Jesus, what are you doing? This woman, nobody knows her name. Nobody cares about it. Even if she did die, nobody would even be phased by it. But I'm the leader in this community. I'm the one who, who everybody knows my name, Jesus. Me first, her second. Jairus could have easily said that. Jairus could have easily said, Jesus, what are you doing? Jesus, my daughter's still at home sick. Jesus, my daughter is still needing a healing. See, it's in those times... Where Jairus could have easily been impatient. He could have easily said, God, I'm not waiting for this. He could have easily said, all right, Jesus, I'm leaving you behind. But no, Jairus waited for this to take place. He waited. He had patience to wait for Jesus to heal this woman. And I believe it was because of this. I, I don't think Jairus was thinking that he was going to miss out on his promise. I think Jairus is thinking if Jesus can do it for her, then Jesus can do it for me. Yeah. So a lot of times when we see Jesus doing something in somebody else's life, say, Jesus, what about me? Right? Jesus, oh, that's great. They got a promotion. But God, I've been praying for years for a promotion. God, right? And we take the the focus off of what God is doing and try to put it back on ourselves. But Jairus, he saw what was taking place and he was patient. See, a lot of us, we think that if we are being patient, for some reason, we think patience is a punishment. We think that patience is something that is uh, God putting us in our place, right? Like, have you ever told, you know, uh, your little brother or your child, hey, be patient right now. You can, you're you're going to have dessert after dinner, right? Be patient. It feels like a punishment in that moment. 
right? It feels like that is something that I'm being put in my place in that moment. And so we associate patience with a punishment. And Jairus could have thought in that moment while he was being patient to wait for Jesus to heal his dying daughter, he could say, what did I do? Is God punishing me right now? Am I being put in my place right now? But instead, he didn't think patience was a punishment. See, we can't think that patience is a punishment. We can't think that patience is something God is trying to, to give us a slap on the wrist and, and make us think that this is a bad thing. But see, patience isn't God punishing us. See, patience is God positioning us for the right place at the right time. Patience isn't God trying to keep us from something. Patience is God trying to, trying to protect us for something, trying to prepare us for something, trying to say, no, look, if you just have this weight of trust for this moment, you will see why I'm doing what I'm doing. But see, if we become impatient and if we say, God, I'm waiting on the sidelines right now. I'm watching God. You do things for others. I'm watching God. You healing this woman, and I'm not seeing my miracle take place. So, God, I'm going to leave you behind. I'm going to try my own thing. I'm going to do my own plan. I'm going to try to fix this on my own. See, if we try to do that, we're going to see that patience, that patience wasn't a punishment. That patience wasn't a punishment. Point two for tonight is that patience isn't God punishing us. Patience is God positioning us. Patience isn't God punishing us. Patience is God positioning us. See, patience isn't God trying to cause us discomfort or try to cause us pain. Patience is God positioning us for the right place at the right time for what God is, has promised and in store for us. Patience is something that takes us to, to, to where God wants us to be for God's promise and purpose in our life. Patience isn't something that God's trying to say, hey, you have to be patient right now, so you're in timeout, right? Patience isn't a timeout. Patience is saying, God, is saying, look, I got something so good in store for you. I, I got something so great. Hey, don't go up to that person. I have somebody even better on the other side, but you got to be patient for it. Yeah, no, don't, don't try to speed through the process and try to get somewhere where it's not going to be good for you. See, I have something so great. I have something so fruitful. I have something that's beyond your expectations. If you just be patient, if you just be patient with the process, if you just be patient and realize that I'm not punishing you, I'm positioning you, I'm protecting you, I'm making sure that you're being prepared and ready for the promise. See, if we looked at patience like that, patience would be popular again. If we looked at patience as not us trying to have to be in the timeout chair, but instead God is preparing us and protecting us and positioning us, anytime we would feel that inclination to wait on God, it, we wouldn't feel like it was a punishment. We know that God has something better on us on the way. So we have to know that patience isn't God punishing us. So Jairus, he could have so easily tried to speed up the process. He could have so easily tried to say, Jesus, what are you doing? I mean, there's been times in my life, I know in yours too, where you say, Jesus, what are you doing, right? It seems like, God, you're, you're helping everybody else but me. It seems like, God, you're, you're everywhere else but where I need you to be. And see, it's in those times where God wants to see the condition of our heart. It's in those times where God wants to see, see is, is he or she really trusting me or she just trusting me because things were convenient or she just or he just trusted me because things were working out correctly no see when those times happen we God looks at the condition of our heart 
Are we going to stick around or are we going to jump ship the first time something happens? The first time that a wave hits the boat or the first time that something doesn't go according to plan. See, that's the condition that God wants us to have. He's saying, God, I'm being patient right now. God, I, I don't see how everything's going to work out, but I'm not going to abandon your plan. I'm not going to abandon this purpose. I'm not going to abandon this promise. See, there's been many times in our lives where we have abandoned things so early. We have abandoned promises so early just because we thought things weren't going according to how we thought it should go. Jairus could have said, Jesus, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Jesus, this guy, he obviously is not who he says he is because he is not meeting my needs personally how I think it should be. He is not doing exactly what I think he should do. Have you ever got mad at Jesus for not doing what you want him to do? Just me? Have you ever been like, Jesus, why didn't you do that? Like, God, I, like, why didn't you do what I wanted you to do? But see, it's in those moments where God looks at the condition of our heart, and we have to say, God, I trust you no matter what. God, I trust what you have for me. God, I know your plan is worth it. God, I know your promise is worth it. See, that's really where we test the condition of our heart is where we show God, do we really value the purpose and the promise he has in store for us? Because if we don't value it, we're gone the first time something happens. But we're saying, God, I'm going to push through this moment. I'm going to push through this season. I'm going to persevere through every, every little thing that might come my way. I'm going to push through it. God sees now you value my purpose. Now you value the promise that I have for you. And in verse 49, so all this is happening. Now the, the movie is playing, right? This woman just got healed of an issue that she's been having for 12 years. And Jairus is watching this, the, the leader of the society, the leader of the synagogue, he's watching this. And while he's, he's seeing somebody be healed of their problem, somebody taps him on the shoulder and says this in verse 49. It says, while he was still speaking, Someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus on hearing this answered him, do not fear, only believe and she will be healed. While he's watching, while Jairus is watching somebody receive their miracle, he just finds out that his miracle is dead. He just finds out that his daughter is dead. He finds out that what he needed to take place now it's over. Now he's told it's too late. Can I encourage somebody in the house who needs to hear this? It is never too late for Jesus. Can I encourage somebody in the house? I don't care how long you've been praying. I don't care how long you've been waiting. I don't care how long you've been patient for. It's never too late for God to turn everything around in a moment. It's never too late. And Jesus tells me, he says, if only you believe. He said, don't be afraid. If only you believe you will see your daughter be healed so jesus he heads to jarus's house and in verse 51 it says and when he came to the house he allowed no one to enter with him except peter john and james and the father and mother of the child and all were weeping and mourning for her but he, but he said do not weep for she is not dead but sleeping everybody say sleeping she is not dead but sleeping. I think that sets a perfect picture of what we can think God's promises look like in our life, that we look at it and we think, God, they're dead. Like, God, this passion is gone. God, this dream is done for. But that's what patience does for us is that it makes us realize that nothing's dead with God. 
that nothing's over with Jesus, and that this might be an instance in your life where it's not over, that you're just in a patient season right now, where things aren't really done with, but maybe it's this sleeping right now, and Jesus walks into this room, says, she's not dead, but sleeping, and they all laughed at him, and they all laughed at him. But he said, taking her by the hand, he called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. See, I, I'm sure at the point of when Jairus finds out that his daughter is dead, I'm sure he's thinking in his mind, this is not how I plan for it to go. So I plan to come up to Jesus, the, the one who heals, the one who makes the blind eyes open, the one who makes the lame walk. I plan on going up to him, him falling after me because I'm the leader of the society. So I'm sure he knows if that if he performs a miracle for me, he's going to reach the entire city. So I know he's going to prioritize me over everybody. And so I plan on him following after me, coming up to my daughter who is still sick, not dead yet, and healing her right before my eyes. I believe that was his plan. I think sometimes we have a plan in our mind and say, God, see, this is how I want everything to work out. I want you to first uh, make me find the right person in about four years from now. And then after that, I'm going to start a family. And then after that, I'm going to get this. And so we try to put this plan around God. We try to put all these things around what God wants us uh, to do. We try to put our plans to it. And then when our plans don't happen, it hurts our patience. When our plans don't come to pass, it hurts and it, and it hurts what we've been waiting for and it hurts our faith and it hurts our patience not because it was not because God did anything wrong but because our plan didn't happen how we thought it should happen not because God did something uh, off-putting but because we said God I want you to do this and because he didn't do it it hurt our patience what happens we become impatient and then we try to speed up the process. And we try to look at other places other than what God wants us to do and what God wants us to say and what God wants us to be. And we try to look at all these other, pla other places. Why? Because our plans didn't come into fruition. See, it wasn't until after she was dead that the healing came. It wasn't until after she took what people thought was her last breath that the healing came. See, sometimes your breakthrough won't happen until after you're broken. See, sometimes the, the right place and right time won't happen until you feel lost. It's going to happen when you're at the end of you're saying, okay, God, this is at the end of when everything I thought would come together. That time has passed. My timing has passed. Now I don't know what's going on, God. It's in that moment where we think things are dead, where we think things uh, are over. It's in that moment when God's plan comes into fruition. It's in that moment we're saying, God, I thought I was going to be able to already be past this. I thought I was already going to be over, overcome this, but God, I feel even more broken than before. I think it's over. It's in that moment when restoration comes. See, a lot of times it's not before things die. It's after things die that God resurrects. It's not when things take place. It's, it's how God has his timing that we see, okay, God, if, if it was my plan, my daughter would have been healed before she died. If it was my plan, I would have found the right person before I got heartbroken. If it, if it was my plan, God, I would have found the correct occupation or correct calling or purpose before things got haywire in my life. That's how my plan worked out. But God's plan worked out, see, after my brokenness, after my hurt, after my pain, after my heartbreak, after things came into a place where I said, God, this is not my plan, then when that's when God showed up and said, okay, no, God, this is your plan. What I'm going to try to say to you tonight is this. 
is that his patience was able to, to realize that if he just hung on to, to, to Jesus and, and not try and ban it, he still followed after him, even when people were laughing at Jesus. Even people were laughing that things that she was going to be healed. He still followed after Jesus. Point three for tonight is this, is that failed plans lead to frustrated patience. Failed plans lead to frustrated patience. I want to encourage everybody, just because your plan, just because what you wrote in your diary three years ago, just because it hasn't happened, doesn't mean it's because of God. Just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean that you're outside and of God's will and you need to do something different. No, just because your plans have been frustrated and have failed doesn't mean that, that we have to give up on our patience and have to impair and try to get out the way and try to, to do things on our own. See, God's plan requires us to be patient with it. See, Haley and I, we got, we've been married for a little over two years now. It's been It's been awesome. We got, we got married right before COVID happened, so we had a very interesting first year of marriage. But we've known each other for, all, for over 10 years now. You know, my plan did not look like knowing her for 10 years and then getting married, right? That's not my plan. That wasn't my plan. But I realized that that was God's plan. And I realized this, is that it's better to have patience than to have plans. It's better for you to say, God, I don't know, I don't have everything figured out, but God, I'm going to be patient, I'm going to trust you anyways. It's better for us to say, God, I don't really see how step one, two, three is going to work out, and I wouldn't have done it that way, but God, I'm going to be patient anyways. See, it's not by our plans that we reach God, it's by patience that we reach God. It's not by plans that we step into God's calling for our lives, it's by patience, it's by trusting, it's by faith, it's by us saying yes to him and saying, and saying God, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to be patient anyways. That's what leads us to God's plans. Will you stand with me tonight? I'm closing. As we close out this series, I'm going to close with Proverbs 19.21. Proverbs 19.21 in the New Living Translation, it says this. It says, you can make many plans. Everybody, everybody say many plans. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. The Lord's purpose will prevail. Who I want to speak to tonight is the person who feels like their plans have failed. The person who feels like a failure just because they're one of those uh, people in the 85% who their life didn't work out how they thought it should. I, I want to talk to that person who feels like they said, I never pictured myself being where, where I am today. I never pictured myself being in this place. I, I never thought I would come here. I never thought I would do this. I never thought I would make that mistake. I never thought all these things. I, I'm talking to a person who feels like a failure just because their plans haven't worked out. Talk to the person who says, I never saw my life turning into what I see. And, and now I feel like my, God's purpose is, is out of reach. God's promise is out of reach. So what's so powerful about Jesus is even when we feel like a failure, it doesn't make us a failure. Even when we feel like a mistake, that doesn't mean we are a mistake. Even when the world, even when everybody you know tells you one thing, if it isn't in God's word, then it isn't true. If it isn't what God says, then it holds no power. If it isn't what God has instructed for your life, then it, it doesn't hold your identity. 
But see, if you're in this house tonight and you're worried about your future, you're worried about, God, how can everything take place? I want you to take place. I want to encourage you with this closing point. It's that God's plan will prevail. We just need to be patient. God's plan will prevail. We just need to be patient. God will come through. You just need to be patient with the process. You will see the promises take place. You need to be patient with Jesus. If you're saying, okay, well, I've never been patient. I've always been one to go, go, go. I've always been the one to keep on moving, keep on being motion. See, see, that's what we have to do. We have to take a step back and say, God, is this, is this me? Am I leading my life or are you leading my life? Say, God, am I making decisions or are you making the decisions? God, am I the one who dictating what I do and what I, and what I say and, and what kind of attitude I have, God, or are you leading me right now? See, it's in that, it's in that state of saying, God, I'm following after you no matter what. It's in that state of saying, God, I'm being patient with you while we see God's plan prevail. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I want to just pray God's blessing over us tonight. I just want to pray that even what the words have been spoken, even if we feel like a failure, even if we feel like a mistake, you might be in this house and you haven't heard anything I've said tonight, but hear this, hear that God isn't through with you yet. Hear that even if you feel like a failure, it doesn't make you a failure. That as long as you have blood in your veins and breath in your lungs and, and as long as you have still the, the, the heartbeat of purpose on the inside of you, God is not done with you yet. But better days are ahead. The best is yet to come. Let us only know that we just got to be patient with the process. Let us only know that we just got to know that if we just put one foot forward, one step at a time, that we don't have to have all the plans. We don't have to have everything figured out. We just need to have patience. We just need to have trust. We just need to have belief. We just need to know that we haven't been left behind. We just need to know that, God, our, our, our passion, our purpose, our promise is still ahead. That, God, we haven't made too many mistakes. We haven't made too many failures. We haven't done anything, too many things wrong. But, God, all we have to do is take one step in the right direction to be right back on track with your purpose. So God, we pray right now to encourage your church. Now, God, if there's anybody who feels like they are on the brink of giving up, they, they feel like that woman with the issue of blood, that they've tried everything. They tried everything that they've known to try, that the, the world has told them to try to fix this problem, to fix this addiction, to fix this insecurity. But God, be, let me be encouraged right now to note that your spirit is in this atmosphere right now. That peace is in the atmosphere right now. God, right now, identity is in the atmosphere right now. That confidence is in the atmosphere right now. That, Father, right now, begin to encourage, God, begin to renew, begin, God, to restore, Father. Right now, in the name of Jesus, God, thank you right now for every lie, God, we deny right now in the name of Jesus. Every curse we reverse right now in the name of Jesus. And no weapon formed against your church will prosper. No weapon formed against your children will prosper. But God, we stand firmly and we know if we just be patient, if we just be patient, if we just trust you, God, if we just follow and say, God, I've tried everything else. I want to give your plan a try. If we just be patient with you, we're going to see your best take place in our life, God. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.